0: Recorded live at Talks and Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Claire Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. From the Talks and Tasting Studios, this is Bullhagen. This is
1: Berg.
2: This
0: is Bert.
1: This is Vicker.
2: And
0: Peter's here. Hey, Pete. Um, welcome to the show. You know, before we get into anything, I want to. Talk,
1: I have a bone to pick here. Okay, So we pick call Bullhagen, Bullhagen. We call Berg, Berg. We call, then Bert, we call Bert. Bert.
3: Bert. Yeah, it's just easy. I mean, you you have you have the thing about Miller versus Mueller. I always say it's Miller, okay, you know, and uh, everybody always calls me Mueller. And my my brother, when he was in the army, they called him Mueller, Mueller, yeah. you know. <laughs> but from where we come from in Germany, apparently, I mean, I, I get this going back all the way to my grandfather and perhaps great grandfather. They always said Miller. Now. It's the U and the umlaut over it, which shortens the sound for some Müller, German speakers. Like Müller. Müller. Well, no, no, but no, it's it's Miller. Yeah, it depends which German. Yeah, it's Miller. Yeah, right, right. right. Because there are different dialects of Germany. You know, mm-hmm. where, where are it's you It's not from? monolithic. I'm from I'm from Hanover. So uh, apparently the the Millers uh, that explains so much about you. It, it's uh, we're we're almost English, and uh, and are you related to the Windsors? Probably I don't know. (laughs) Maybe I don't know. You know, but but uh, um, my my forebears in Germany were um, traders. They 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 like took stuff from town to town and sold things, and they were also uh, farmers. And uh, they came over in 1865, right after the Civil War ended, so that they could escape the Prussians. So if any of you are Prussian blood, I'm sorry, but we
4: left because of you. my mother's family is from East Prussia. Oh, so. oh that <laughs> makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense, too.
1: <laughs> so you're saying you want to stick with Bert, even though the rest of the clergy are using their last names.
3: I don't care. It's your bone. You pick it. Um, I, I, I kind of I'm, li- I'm, I'm Actually, to be honest,
0: it. I kind of like the the Berg and Bert.
3: I, I like it, too. I like it, too. I'm okay with it. No, right. Nobody calls me Pastor Bert. I, it used to happen in Nebraska, and I was like, oh, I don't like that at
0: all. Well, I've noticed I've noticed that I can tell when people from uh, Berg's Church listen to the show because they'll say, "How's it going, Bullhagen?" <laughs> 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 it's happened a lot. All it's, right, it's like you
3: got to keep the consonants going, right? Berg, Bullhagen, Bert, and then it's Vicker, and then it's Vicker, yeah. Which a V is sort of a B, you know? Well, it's it's, it's, it's kind of like un... this. You
1: got
0: yeah, sometimes Bullhagen, yeah. Berg, Bert, and then. Then you get to Vicker, and it's just a little bit of a disappointment. But th- I mean, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> You're just a junior Space
3: Eagle. That's all. You know, yeah. you'll get there.
0: Earn your wings. <laughs>
4: all right. So, speaking of wings, what are we preaching on? That was a non sequitur. But yeah, <laughs> Vicker, do you have
1: that? Yeah, uh, the, the gospel reading for Advent three is Matthew eleven two through ten. With the possibility of eleven, right? You could get With a bonus process. verse in there. More of yeah.
0: God's word. And and, yeah. and what is this?
1: Yeah. Uh, so this is the. Uh, The messenger sent from John the Baptist, uh, questioning Jesus whether he is the one to be expected. Uh, should Should I go ahead and read it, since this isn't probably as familiar? Read it, read it, yes. Now, when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples, and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up. And the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. And they went away. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing. Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he.
0: It's interesting in the uh, in the one-year series, you get a little less of John than you do in the th- the three-year series.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Any have you else noticed that? Uh,
3: I don't know maybe uh, John you mean John the Evangelist or John the Baptist John the Baptist John the Baptist okay Yeah I don't know I'm I'm not sure maybe maybe you do but I've got to tell you this is one of my favorite texts to preach on actually <laughs> Um I I love this because um you got John the Baptist languishing in prison And he's the guy that said about Jesus, you know, his winnowing fork is in his hand and he's going to clear his threshing floor. He's going to gather the grain into his garner, but the chaff he's going to burn with unquenchable fire. And, you know, he said that about Jesus, right? And here comes Jesus preaching the gospel. Here comes Jesus, you know, talking to prostitutes and and uh, tax collectors and uh, proclaiming the kingdom of God and, of course, loving people but not loving them, you know, loving them as they are but not wanting them to, to continue as they are, right? You know? And uh, loving them enough to, to, you know, not have them continue as they are. Uh, But the point point I'm trying to make is that John looks at Jesus, and there are people that, that, you know, go between these two. I mean, did John actually have doubts about Jesus, or was he just sending his disciples who had doubts about Jesus? I'm going full bore with this. I think John had doubts because, my goodness, you know what? All of us— Um, wonder at times about some of these things that Jesus says, especially that last verse. I mean, what is Jesus saying there, you know? Um, Among those born of women, there is none greater than John the Baptist. Why does he say that? I got a reason for it, by the way, but, you know, I could talk about this forever. The point I'm trying to make is that John had his doubts, but Jesus says, take a look at what I'm doing. Take a look at what I And and not only what I'm
0: doing, but also uh, I'm doing what... What, what was God's prophesied? Word. Yeah, yeah. I would be doing right. Exactly. He points exactly them to the point. word of yeah. God, which means, right. you know, we we get carried away with, with uh, um, maybe the outward acts and the outward signs and all those things. But really, when it comes down to what really convinces and shows us, was not all the exterior stuff. Well, this is what God's word says, and this is what I'm doing. Right. Jesus pointed the prophet to God's word. Right. And it's
3: not that that threshing floor ain't going to be cleared, folks. <laughs> that's true, too. But he first comes in mercy uh, to, to uh, forgive our sins, and, and so that we're prepared for that second coming uh, when he comes to judge the living and the dead and to vindicate his people, but also to cast the, the dragon into the lake of fire. Anyway, that's enough. Sorry. I'm and, done.
0: Uh, and you're done with that sermon already, aren't you? Bert? Yeah, I actually have it right here. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but he's been uh, kind of bashing it for a short time. By the way, one thing: do you have do you have Amazon Prime Video? Yes, I do. Okay. There's a show on there. This is just uh, li- listeners don't listen. Okay. It's a it's a show uh, uh, called Most Extreme Elimination Challenge. Okay. MXC. It's on Amazon Prime. Yeah. You have to watch this. Mo- I'm ordering you as a friend most because ex- it is most the best extreme. thing. Eliminations Challenge. Okay. MXC, it's called.
4: MXC.
0: Yes. Okay.
4: Mm-hmm. It
0: is the funniest show and also the best one to watch as a bachelor pad. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a day left. Wives will hate the show. Husbands will love this show.
4: It does so. sound pretty cool. So, And the reason why I got this sermon done so early is because I was in quarantine for two weeks. And so I think it affected... Uh, how I wrote this sermon. So Mm. you'll have to, I, I wanted to read you a paragraph about John's imprisonment here. This Sunday bids us to rejoice. I tell you what, it seems hard to rejoice this year. We are all in need of a bit of cheering up. Family gatherings are canceled. The country is shutting down once again. Many might feel a bit like John the Baptist. He wasn't allowed to go anywhere or do anything. All day long he sat at the mercy of a lecherous tyrant who, thanks be to God, still feared the wrath of the people. John had his life at the moment, but little else. He could no longer baptize. He could no longer preach. He could no longer do the things God had sent him to do. John was the greatest man born of woman. It's true. But he was still a man, still a sinner. It's hard for me to imagine that he didn't feel helpless and useless. It's hard for me to imagine that being paralyzed by the restrictions of prison life, he wasn't extremely restless. Can't you imagine it? Imagine the Baptist pacing hurriedly back and forth on the cold stone floor of his cell. Imagine him adjusting his garments of camel hair and his belt for the hundredth time that day for want of anything better to do. What joy is there to be found in being useless, irrelevant, and shackled with enforced idleness. Wow. You yeah. are a writer, Berg.
3: I like that image of him adjusting his belt. <laughs> it, that's 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 funny, but it's also very evocative and very, you know, pitiable too in some ways. Maybe that's why I'm so weird. I have a weird sense of humor, but okay, go ahead.
0: And I, I think... What, what one thing that you could be saying is, in this, and you probably will, if, if John felt this way, don't be so confident in your own abilities to overcome things. You will face things that
4: will challenge you. Well, and I really riff off of Jesus' question, what did you come out here to see? Mm. What did you come to church to see? Mm. Did you come to see a reed shaken by the wind? A pastor who uh, simply uh, does things and believes things and preaches things for the sake of novelty? Did you come here to see a, uh, a soft man, a man who is a chaplain of our culture, who is a friend of the of the mighty and powerful, who will never quite speak against them? Hmm. Or did you come out here to see a prophet? Hmm. Did, because I can tell you what I've seen. I've seen people baptized and had their sins washed away. I've seen people who have been converted by the word of God. I've seen atheists turned into believers. Um, I've seen people eat our God's body and blood. Those are the things that I've seen, and those are the things that cause us to rejoice. It's very, very a nice way to put things, Bert. You're doing my sermon preparation for me. I appreciate yeah. it. I do. I do what I can. I wouldn't say I'm it a is hero. so
0: refreshing to, to to listen to to you think on the bright side
4: of life sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I am very countercultural, so.
2: <laughs>
0: All right, that brings us to. Um, um, I wasn't gonna sure sure if uh, if we need, we're going to do this or not, but I think the audience has spoken. People want to hear what's going on with Pastor Chris Christian. Ooh. Um, and so I uh, I interviewed him again, and so uh, um, Peter, why don't you go ahead and, ahead and, and play the interview? All right. I have with me on the Toxic Tastings Studio Hotline. Pastor Chris Christian, the pastor of the fastest growing church in Oklahoma, Just Him Christian Church in Port Berlin, Oklahoma. Exit 258. If you heard our last interview, you know that it, the church has tripled in its size. And not only that, its children's ministry has grown exponentially. And uh, now that I've gotten to know you, uh, Pastor Christian, uh, I consider you a friend your um i would call it a mission statement um i know you're probably like mission statement yes i do your mission statement no theology just jesus
5: yes pastor bolhegan i would i would not only call it a mission statement but i would actually call it a way of life to him be the glory
0: so so how are you doing
5: i'm doing very well bolhegan to him be the glory
0: i must admit pastor Christian, that since our last interview, our listenership in Oklahoma, and I'm not not even kidding about this, has grown yes, even tripled in size
5: Actually, I'm not that surprised I kind of have that golden touch, Bullhagen, to him be the glory
0: So, uh, Pastor, how was your Thanksgiving?
5: It was wonderful just wonderful We started a new ministry there at Exit 258. It's called Just Him and Turkey. Explain. You know, the holidays can be a difficult time. For example, maybe you have memories of past Thanksgivings where argument at the dinner table made you sad. Or perhaps you had to work overtime on Thanksgiving because there was an early bird Black Friday sale at Payless Shoes. For their BOGO sale. That's buy one pair, get one pair free. Or maybe you have a crippling opioid addiction.
2: Well,
0: that sounds kind of personal.
5: No, it's not personal at all to Him Be the Glory. Because of this, I wanted to reconnect with others this holiday season to Him Be the Glory. And God laid it on my heart to help. And uh, I woke up in the middle of the night, it just came to me. You know, I was thinking of just Jesus, and I like turkey. It came to me. Just Jesus and turkey.
0: Just Jesus and turkey?
5: How it works is this. You just give me 30 minutes to talk about Jesus, and you get some turkey. Oh, yeah, and
0: mashed potatoes and green bean casserole pie.
5: No, 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 Bullhagen. You don't understand. Just Jesus and turkey.
0: So you talk for 30 minutes about Jesus, and then you give them some turkey? It sounds like you're selling a timeshare. But besides that, how do you talk about Jesus for 30 minutes without talking about anything theological? How do you stay true to your mission statement, Just Jesus, no theology?
5: Well, the first thing I do is I assess what that person truly needs, and I I get to know that person. Some might need encouraging. Some maybe have family trouble, or some perhaps have mental illness, some uh, are bored, some need healing, and then once I assess what they need, then I give them Jesus.
0: If I'm going to be honest here, Pastor Christian, it sounds like Santa Claus. You know, you're going to help them or pray to Jesus for whatever they want, and uh, maybe they'll get what they want. And you just throw the name Jesus in there?
5: Boy, can I take offense at that? Santa Claus does not collect offering to him be the glory.
0: So how'd it go? Your uh, Just Jesus and Turkey uh, mission.
5: Well, I found out that uh, when people during the holiday season stop at a rest stop, they're at exit 258. On the holidays, they're actually in a hurry. And people thought uh, just turkey was not enough to, to give me that 30 minutes of their time. And remember, I was giving them Jesus, too. Oh, the
0: Lord's Supper?
5: No. Just Jesus. Anyways, my mom and Sawyer and the kids have gotten a lot of turkey since then. It's kind of funny... Um, The children ask, um, um, what's for dinner? And my my mom lovingly says, just Jesus and (laughs) turkey. Oh, well, it sounds like uh, another mission opportunity. Uh, Thank you, Bullingham. I I, got to go.
0: All right. Bye. Well, that was Pastor Chris Christian, the pastor of Just Him Christian Church, the fastest growing church. In Oklahoma. All right. Well, there's our interview.
3: Yeah, that was interesting. I think, uh, you know, uh, this guy, uh, Chris Christensen, I mean, he's really got this mindset that basically says that uh, he doesn't care about Jesus at all, as long as he can get people to come into his, quote, church. (laughs) That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this, this actually, you know, you, you, you bring up something here, uh, Bull Hagen. Uh, What is a church? What is a church? You know, and uh, um, I think that's a good thing to actually think about. What is necessary for a church to actually exist? And uh, it's, uh, it's something I think that Martin Luther answers the best, right? He says, thank God even a seven-year-old child knows what the church is. It's the lambs and the sheep gathered around the voice of the good shepherd. What do you need to have a church? You need God's word. And which is theology, by the way, Pastor right. Christianson. Yeah. yeah. Christian. Christian Christian. Okay, Pastor Christian.
4: Yes. So what did you think, Berg? I it this just shows me how much I really detest <laughs> the bait and switch. And the whole uh um the whole uh, uh what do you wanna say, um Timeshare idea. Oh, I I always hated that as a kid, because you'd go, and then they'd try to make it free, and you'd have to sit through this awful presentation. And this is never how Jesus actually talks to people. Right. This is never how Jesus does things. This is never how the apostles do things. Um, all you have to do is read the Book of Acts or the Gospels. What, and...
0: what I find interesting about uh, the interview, too, is... Uh... Uh, Pastor uh, Chris Christian didn't seem to understand, you know, the just Jesus and then just turkey. Yeah,
4: a little bit. You know, bit of I a... think
0: there's a, you know, he thinks just using the name Jesus is enough. Well, you need a little more than that. You need,
4: you need some green bean casserole at the very least. Right, right.
3: <laughs> well, we had steak over Thanksgiving. We had steak marinated in Worcestershire sauce, and uh, um. A little bit of red wine for about 12 hours. And that was the best Thanksgiving I've ever had.
4: <laughs> My goodness. Ah, oh, Making
0: me jealous. So uh, um, I will do another interview sometime with, with him, and we can see how his Christmas is going for sure. Indeed. So that brings us to our top 12. Peter, play the intro. Enough nonsense. It's time. Four Bullhagen's top twelve. So Vicker has six more uh, heresies to go through. Is that correct, Vicker?
1: That is correct. Quite quite fitting for the discussion today, isn't it?
0: Uh, <laughs> so so what do you have? we okay. uh, You're we're on number six.
1: Yes. Number six. Number six. The heresy of Montanism. So not not Mountainism. Okay. So Montanism is a very early heresy, before Christianity is even legally a religion within the Roman Empire. Uh, their Their beliefs were that uh, their founder, Montanus, that his prophecies were better than the prophecies of the apostles and their teachings. They believed in ecstatic prophesying, so kind of that speaking in tongues stuff that we're told is a no-no, and that if someone fell away from their faith, they could not be redeemed. So a little bit of once saved, always saved. They, they had a much strong, stronger emphasis on perfection, and discipline to the point where, uh, like the idea of chastity, that they forbid marriage at all.
0: So they died out.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they did. Although some of that stuff sounds pretty similar to our average non-denominational church, the whole ecstatic preaching and prophesying and some of that that emphasis of perfection.
3: Yeah, it sounds like uh, um, a proto uh movement in some way. Yeah. It's interesting how these things, there's nothing really new under the sun, is there? You know, the devil just keeps up vomiting vomiting up uh, different kinds of heresies. Or the, the, the same heresy, yeah. but in a different form. It's right? because
0: because yeah. it's appealing. Yeah, Yeah, right. We S- haven't changed. It's appealing. Sa- same
1: light, new wrapping paper.
0: Yeah. No. Yeah. Do you know much about those? I'm sure you do, Berg.
4: Yeah, they were, I mean, North Africa was a real rigorous place. Uh, Tertullian actually fell into this heresy at the end of his life. Um, So, yeah, it's, uh, I I wouldn't be surprised if they were kissing cousins with the Donatists Hmm. in some shape or form, you know, Hmm. even though they're separated by about a couple centuries. (laughs) All
0: right, that brings us to number five. Number five.
1: The heresy of Nestorianism.
0: Or the Calvinists. Sorry,
1: go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> we can always blame them, can't we? Definitely, yeah. So Nestorianism. This is founded by uh, Nestorius, who was uh, the patriarch of Constantinople in the you know mid fifth century. So he was, you know, kind of like the district president of the area, and he taught that Jesus was not the Son of God, that he, he was a it was a natural union between the flesh and the Word. But he wasn't literally God's son, which meant that Mary is just the mother of Christ, not the mother of God, which gets us into all the fun Trinitarian heresies. Sure. Uh, This this would be condemned at both the First Council of Ephesus and the Council of Chalcedon. And what I find interesting is this group that believed what he was teaching ended up fleeing to what's now Iran and founded the the Church of the East— which did actually a considerable amount of mission work in what's now China, and we still see some, you know, descendants of this group in the Assyrian Church, the Chaldean Catholic Church, and into China even today.
0: So, so Berg, I have a question for you. Then, how would they understand the atonement? How would the atonement work if Jesus wasn't God? Do you do you know?
4: Well, this is a. I mean, it's it's a hard thing. Um, So, and we see this in, like, uh, modern dogmatics, too, like Hodge, which is a pretty uh, famous uh, Calvinist or Reformed um, uh, dogmatics. They'll say things like, well, when Jesus hungered, that was the human. When he did miracles, it was divine. When he died on the cross, that was the human. When he rose from the dead, that was the divine. And so what they do is they make this clear demarcation between uh, the human Jesus, right, The, the... and see, and this is, I don't think Nestorius, I think he didn't know how to speak. And I mean, we have to remember, too, that these guys were really struggling with these questions about how to talk about these things. Uh, and so the way that they would talk about it is they would use the analogy of the temple. While the temple is not Jesus, you know, while the temple is not God's spirit, uh, the God's spirit dwells within the temple. And so they'd be like, okay, well, there's the person, the human person of Jesus and the divine person of of the Word dwells within that temple in, in an exceptional way, mm-hmm. but uh, they're not particularly one. And our Lutheran confessions talk about this a lot about two boards being glued together. Um, they don't actually become one board, but yeah, they're the glue right. keeps them together. And I mean, like we see this today, especially uh, among the Calvinists, in that they don't believe that. The human nature of Christ can be everywhere.
1: the the finite or The finite cannot contain the infinite, right. right?
4: Especially, and that's their biggest argument against the Lord's Supper and the real presence, right? So Jesus can't be on a hundred thousand altars in a hundred thousand different places at the same time.
0: And, and that's where a lot of heresies come into play, is when when you don't understand and rather using the language of the Bible and saying, "Well, this is what God's Word says." To, to go out of your way to explain things and how it is or why it can be generally is when you get into trouble. So we don't understand how Jesus could be fully God and fully man, or, or we don't understand uh, the Trinity, the th- th- one God and three persons, each one fully God. So we're going to describe that. We don't understand exactly how it is that works play in. So we're going to explain that. Yep. We don't understand how free will uh, – plays into salvation. So we're going to overly explain that and come up with these intricate things when, when the Bible is clear, clear on all of those things.
4: Oh, you never went to Fort Wayne. so I've, I've got a you, story about this. Go ahead, but, but go ahead. You never heard this professor say it. You know, he talked about this, um, like the finite cannot contain the infinite, and uh, yeah, it's called the extra Calvinisticum, Right, yeah, but, extra, uh, I know. Yeah. But uh, he uh, he described it, and he gave this very vivid image of a fat lady trying to get into a girdle there's just too much lady to fit into the girdle, and uh, that's how he <laughs> how he talks about Yeah. So, I mean, that'll that'll stick with you. Uh, but but yeah, well, I just want to say
0: that we, the Clerical Heirs podcast, would never describe it that way. <laughs> right, definitely. <laughs> well, I think we just did. <laughs> no, we wouldn't. <laughs> we're we're, just, we're just describing like, the
1: error that way.
3: The error that Right, exactly. We're, we're just okay.
0: repeating what someone else said. We right. didn't actually. Right, no. right.
3: Now, we didn't now. actually say that. Do you do you know what 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 are the uh, um, we do have an analogy that kind of works? Every analogy breaks down somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. You know, but um, the the one that was put forth in the early church was a, like a fire in iron, right? Right. You know that that uh, that um, iron remains iron when it's heated, but it takes on you know I mean it it's it's interpenetrated with fire, I guess. Um, is that is that right? And it takes know, on the qualities, and it keeps the qualities it takes, of the
4: of the fire. Right, right. right.
3: And and uh, I I tried to illustrate this once in a sermon back in Nebraska. Okay, and uh, uh, I know that these these ranchers in Nebraska they've got these uh, these brandings, yes, you know. Yeah. And I I said you know it was one of those brands that you can plug in and it'll grow glow red hot. And I thought oh that'd be awesome just to take this red hot brand out of the uh, out of the, uh, the the pulpit and wave it around in front of people and say this is like Jesus, you know not a good idea. So like I was teaching Bible class. I plugged it in right before Bible class because you get to the Bible class first and then. then Sounds you like you it learned in. homiletics in St. Louis. Yeah, that's true. That's right. That's right. I've, I've <laughs> uh, graduated a little bit more from there. Please understand, you know, but, but like, uh, um, so I, I plugged it in and I, I had it set up right by the pulpit there and I was teaching Bible class and, uh, you know, all of a sudden I started smelling this terrible smell of, um, you know, like, like, uh, Cowhide burning, and uh and I realized it was not a good idea. Anyway,
4: yeah. Well, at least he didn't set the church on fire, right? Right. I, right. <laughs> and, and you you healed nicely. I I was fine.
0: Yeah.
3: Okay. No, no, no. It
4: was it wasn't me that got branded. <laughs> but it was just the
3: leftover stuff, you know, hair right. and stuff on the brand, you know, that
4: just. Yeah. Anyway. And this was in Nebraska? Yeah, this is in Nebraska. Okay. Well, yeah. yeah. And this is the this is where the rubber really hits the road. If God did not die for us, then a mere man did. Yeah, and that's right. as the Psalm says, no one can redeem his brother.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Because that's why I asked about the atonement. Mm-hmm. Because
0: because simply Jesus being a man would not be enough to pay for one person, much less the sins of the whole world. Right.
1: Number four. The Heresy of Gnosticism. Dun, dun, dun. Everyone's favorite.
0: Yes, every vicar has brought up, it seems like, in Bible study and in a sermon, Gnosticism. They love I haven't yet. talking about Gnosticism. But as like my first vicar, he loved talking about it.
1: As a fan of history and a fan of sci-fi element, there is some appeal here, but not for a sermon. To do it justice is literally like an hour sermon. No, I can't do that. Because Unless you have secret knowledge.
4: Well, your buddy Elon Musk thinks we live in the Matrix, so... And he can keep thinking that. So, okay, you better explain what Gnosticism yeah. first yeah. so they get yeah. the joke. Yeah, it is
1: a very complicated alternate to Christianity and draws a significant amount of inspiration from Greek mythology and philosophy. Uh, the, the focus ultimately is on the rejection of the material world. It's the all things physical are evil and that the soul is the only good thing. So this kind of goes back to the mind over body priority as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the really short version of their mythology is that there because there's various versions of it, but there's always this great overall deity called the Demiurge that creates lesser deities, ultimately leading to one called Sophia, wisdom. And that's how we get all the way down to reality as they see it. Yeah, I thought the Demiurge was the one who created this physical world. He was the abortion god. Yeah, there's like four or five different major versions and... Every single other flavor you possibly could want. Yeah. So all evil is
4: because we live in a material world, but we're not material girls, <laughs> right? We're actually sparks of the divine trapped in these rotting meat sacks. Yeah. And Jesus came to give us the secret knowledge it, that we could yeah. escape that. It well, I know that I am a, a spark, <laughs> but I'm not sure about you. It's, it's true. <laughs> there are actually different levels of sparkiness. Yeah. It, do- right. it does
1: end up sounding a lot like Buddhism almost. This idea of their there being, you know, this is a pri- the physical world is a prison, and your soul is the reality. But yeah, the the masons would be kind of the modern day descendants of Gnosticism. The idea of the secret knowledge, which is where they get the name. It's from the word knowledge in Greek.
4: And the Mason, uh, not the Masons, but the uh, Matrix. Your favorite sci-fi mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Number three: the heresy of modalism.
4: Dun dun dun. Mm.
1: I, I was so expecting some Lutheran satire. All of a sudden, but oh well. Yeah. That's
3: modalism, Patrick.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this this one's a little more well known thanks to that. Uh, it's also sometimes called Sabellianism because of the teacher named Sabellius, who was one of the the two main thinkers. And the heresy is that the the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are three different modes of God. Uh, sometimes called dispensations. So, whereas we teach the Trinity, it, we have one God. And he's three persons. This is we have almost three gods.
4: It's like if you're playing a computer game, and you're the only one playing it, and you have three different avatars. Mm-hmm. It's still the same guy playing it. I actually, when I was a kid, um, I just, I was just, I had been confirmed like two years before. Um, I actually heard a sermon that taught modalism mm. on Trinity Sunday. Oh my gosh. And here's here here's the here was the illustration. He's like, "Well, you know, you walk into somebody's house and their 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 uh, wall is filled with pictures, right? And um, you have a man who's taking a picture with his family. Man as a father. Then you have a wedding picture, so you have a man as a husband. And then you have a picture of him at work and that's man as worker. And that's, that's what the trinity is."
3: That's <laughs> modalism, Patrick.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's wrong. That's so, wrong. I've actually heard that in a Lutheran church. It
1: made me very sad. Mm-hmm. And anytime I've been asked questions on how the Trinity works, I, I tend to to have to always put the, put out the the disclaimers like I can use it in a, a couple analogies, but they will contradict each other because no analogy can explain this. And I've used kind of vocation as one of them because that's a, there's some appropriateness too that we have God the Father who creates, God the Son who redeems, and God the Holy Spirit, you know, who instills faith but that's not... Right, they're not one person, There are three yeah, persons. Yeah, we, you know? we, we don't have three and different
3: deity. Three persons, mm. one divine essence. Right. You know, yeah. yeah just, you just have to go to the
4: Athanasian Creed. It's, yes. uh, <laughs> well, and you hear this often yeah. in like weddings too. You hear modalism, right? Because there are three per- persons who make a, a marriage go, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. The husband, the wife, and? Jesus. God, right? And mm. so they turn God into... One person. One person, because... Nobody's listening anyway. Actually I I do think that was
0: now I'm, this is a, a way back callback, okay? I believe that was one of the four C's of Christian marriage in my wedding sermon that I when <laughs> Julie and I got married. I had
4: forgotten. We had we've done a we've done a whole deal on this, haven't yeah, we? Yeah, a call yeah.
0: back from a dedication of my wife at our twenty um, fifth anniversary, half titled Happy Anniversary. But yeah. uh,
4: which C's did you rock again? Um, the fourth one, right? Yeah, I was working you on number three the, before. Yeah. Was a total home run, yeah. right?
1: <laughs> you got the first and the second down. Working on the third one. Yes.
4: <laughs> oh man, good time. Moving on. Yes,
1: number two. The heresy of Pelagianism and its stepbrother Semi-Pelagianism. So while they're kind of two different heresies, they're the one's a reaction to the other, and it starts with uh the teacher, Pelagius. So this is right at the end of the 4th century. And he taught that humanity was not corrupted by original sin and that mankind has the ability to choose between good and evil.
4: Just like every Disney princess movie you oh, watch yeah. and yeah. Star Wars and... By the way, uh, cetera,
0: Milton, who was once a member of the, uh, the church, of uh, the Just Him Christian Church, Milton... yep. He was a semi-Pelagian.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Semi-Pelagian. Oh, my goodness.
4: Yeah, so this is basically like almost every other form of Christianity. Yeah. With, with the, the exception if, of... If it doesn't
1: have... if it Basically, if it doesn't have the label Catholic, Orthodox, or Lutheran, this is probably what you're dealing with.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Semi-Pelagianism is kind of the reaction out of it where God's grace gives humanity the ability to choose good and evil. But it's still, at the end of the day, choice theology. And number one, the heresy of Arianism. Wait, 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 wait. Vicar. Oh, I'm not excited enough.
0: Yeah, you need to sell it, man. That's a part of learning. Number one. Learn from the master, okay? Learn from the master.
1: I've never been a cartoon character.
0: Well, (laughs)
1: Vicker, Vicar, Vicar, I'm not asking
0: you. I'm not asking you, Vicar.
1: Uh, I have to laugh at myself. It's okay. No, all
0: great. right. Let's sell yeah. it. You got, I'm okay. not asking. This is this. Is, you you want to? All right. Let's hear it.
1: Number one.
0: Um, oh. I got Got to draw it out. Come on. Number
1: guttural. Number one. Go ahead. I've also never been Robin Williams. Yeah. Okay.
0: Come <laughs> on. Come on.
4: You got to do it.
1: Number one. The heresy of Arianism.
4: All right. So explain Arianism.
1: So uh, it starts with the with another North African pastor named Arius, and he denied the Trinity. Because he denied the divinity of Jesus. So we're kind of dealing with, in some ways, almost a flip side of some of our other ones. Uh, Nestorianism, yeah. Yeah, Nestorianism, especially. Uh, He he instead claimed that Jesus was created by God and was distinct. Uh, The title Son of God is a courtesy, it's not a reality. And that, you know, the the phrasing is that he's of similar substance. And this is where the big fight happened the one that leads to the story of St. Nicholas possibly punching him. I didn't know Santa did that. Yeah, the, the story is, so the, the, the first ecumenical council at Nicaea in the year 325 is where they discussed this, because there was literally a fight happening between the Christian churches and the emperor at the time, Constantine, decided this was not going to happen, let's gather everyone together, and we'll, we'll, we'll smooth this out. He thought, okay, we'll have a nice, calm conversation, and everyone will agree. And what happened instead is everyone agreed that Arius was wrong.
0: And then Santa Claus hit him with his, yeah, sack of presents and mm, stormed yeah. off.
1: The
3: mm. one of the main he repented later though I think right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the, main, the elves main. Kicked him in the kneecap. Yeah, Wait.
1: yeah. One of the Is main. That a sin? Um, <laughs> knee- <laughs> yes,
3: it was Peter.
1: Yes, it was <laughs> I don't, a sin. Hold on. The Bible's kind of vague on kneecaps. Okay. <laughs> one of one of the main opponents for Arius at that was a man named Athanasius, and. It's his teachings that get us to the Athanasian Creed. Uh, also, the the council itself is where the Nicene Creed would be composed, which is why we have the, the very specific wording, being of one substance with the Father.
0: Thanks for clarifying. I thought the Athanasian Creed was written by Athanasia.
2: Mm, yeah, yeah.
1: That was
4: his nickname. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Especially, uh,
2: You're especially supported by euthanasia. Yo, uh, <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh. <laughs> That's
1: just bad. That's just bad. <laughs> Yo, Ath, <af>, what up?
4: Ath <laughs> me, bro. Oh, nice. Uh, and this one's pretty common. Oh, yeah, this, got... this
1: one's quite common still because both the Mormon church and the Jehovah's Witnesses proclaim this stuff. They right. both see... Each in their own... In their own very unique way, but at the end of the day, it is, it is ultimately Jesus is created by God. Uh, I believe the Mormons literally say he's the first creation. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure how the Jehovah's Witnesses explain it because they don't stick around long enough to talk to me.
4: He's uh, the Ar- the Archangel Michael, <laughs> I believe. So yeah, but uh, um, it's interesting because you made me think of uh, we're getting off Thanksgiving here, and you made me think of uh, Groundhog's Day, right? Where uh, Bur- where uh, Bill Murray says, you know, because he keeps like reliving the same day over yeah. and over again, and he and he tells this woman he's like, you know, I'm a god. I'm not the god, but <laughs> but I'm a god. Because you know, he can die and do all these things and he still lives the same day. So basically he's functionally immortal and all that. That's how Arius looked at Jesus. He's a God. Just not, not the either. God.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. So um Peter, what are we doing next? Or did you want to do your stuff? Do what you do, Peter. Do
3: your stuff, right. Peter.
0: I've got a meme update.
1: So I've got a couple pictures. One of them is just its just funny, and one of them I think you guys can riff on a little bit. So here's the first one.
4: <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. So it shows a bishop. Yeah. <laughs> Although you can't really... Yeah, you really can't tell that he's a bishop. Right, because he doesn't have his hat on, right? Uh, Does he have a great big ring? You can't... I, I'm looking... So they got a checkered floor that he's standing on, and he's standing on white. Which is the is it is it a king's bishop?
3: Uh, that or would queen? be the king's bishop. No, that's the queen's bishop because queen. the no no, it depends. Uh, so man,
2: I he, forget. He's he, wearing white. Yeah. so
3: let's. So like like the queen's always on the color, right? Right. So so it depends whether you're white or black. Because mm-hmm. if if you're right if you're if you're the white uh, player, then it'll be the queen's bishop would be black. If you're the if you're the uh,
4: yeah. So this so so this would be. This would be king's bishop, then. That would be the king's bishop, yes, because he's wearing white. Okay, white, white <laughs> king's bishop on white, and he says, I can move diagonally on this floor, which is a chess joke, which is hilarious, because I just watched The Queen's Gambit. That yeah. Was a, that was a great movie. It, it so. was it was a great show.
3: I liked the ending.
4: I liked the I, ending. I, I did, it was, too. It was
3: wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Although, Yeah. I mean, I had problems with the show, but but it was good. It was really, it
4: was a neat story. It was yeah. a very neat story. It, yeah. it was a little, it was crass. It got
0: it got a little bit off
4: the rails with the whole drug addiction thing. I think yeah. I got a little. It was it was crass, but you know, I mean, honestly, I guess a lot of people who are gifted in that way do suffer from self medication and, and sure. that sort of thing. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, Berg, if you like that most extreme elimination challenge, you'll love that. I promise. I, I will watch it. I will come back with an update. Okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> All
1: right. The other, <clears throat> that was great podcasting. Uh, I, Meme updates don't really work well. Uh, <clears throat> the other one I have is here, if one of you guys wouldn't mind reading. Uh, I'll
3: read it. When I say I want a biblical wife, what people think I mean, I want a wife who is passive and subservient. What I really mean. I want a wife who is totally willing to drive a tent spike into the tyrant's head, should the opportunity arise.
1: Judges four through five,
4: yeah. <laughs> womp womp, vicar. What's that about? Yeah, th-
1: this would be from the the section of judges talking about the pro- the uh, the judge Deborah, and specifically as she was she hired, I guess hired is not the right word, but I'll go with it, uh, a general to go fight against Israel's enemies. But because he didn't want to go alone, she went with him, and therefore the general that was leading the enemy army was going to be killed by a woman. And during the battle he runs away, hides in the tent of Jael, who says, Yeah, I'll hide you, and puts him under a blanket, he falls asleep, and she nails his head to the floor with a tent peg.
3: Yeah, it was that was uh, Sisera, right? Yes it was. Yeah, yeah. Sisera it. Well yeah. here's I nailed to the floor.
0: Here's the thing. That if that is your wife, okay. I don't know if I want my wife to, like, if I forget to take out the garbage or something. You
4: know, was that just me? Just well, don't have any camping equipment
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> Well, and, I mean, this actually gets us to a, a deeper issue. You know, Last time we talked about ethics, right, mm. and doing mm-hmm. what is right. Um, a wife who is totally willing to drive a tent spike into a tyrant's head. First of all, Cicero wasn't a tyrant. He was a general. Uh, Second of all, he came to their house, and the husband knew about this, uh, in terms of hospitality, Mm -hmm. because uh, he was seeking shelter and protection and relief because they had been allies. Um, And so really, there's a lot of sin here. I mean, it's a breaking of the Fifth Commandment. It's a breaking of uh, hospitality. Um, I don't want a wife like this. I really don't. I mean, this is... uh, she took matters into her own hands, and just because God prophesied something, I mean, it's like prophesying that G, that Judas was going to betray Jesus into the hands of his enemies, into the hands of the Gentiles. Yeah, it's foreseen, but that doesn't justify it. It's not like so, like like Judas gets a free pass. Uh, in fact, he says that uh, it would be better as if than if he had never been born. The sort of biblical wife I want is uh, like Abigail, mm-hmm. who is wise, who seeks to mend fences, even though her husband is stupid, and that's literally his name, fool, Nabal. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, she seeks to redress wrong. She's humble. She's intelligent. She uh, uh, works for the good of her family. She places herself into the hands of God in a confident and quiet manner. Um, that's not passive or subservient. Uh, those those things like this is this is not uh, the Bible doesn't say passive and subservient, right? Um, in fact, like in Proverbs thirty, she buys a field. Mm-hmm. And if, I, if, right. I'm,
0: if I may say this too, the problem with that understanding of just passive and subservient, the the, the problem is this: is that assumes that a husband to be a true man needs his wife to be passive
4: and subservient
3: yeah and that's just not so right I mean yeah.
4: I mean in, in fact I think you see more uh, more passive men in the Bible like Isaac for example the servant Abraham's servant knows that his master's son is passive and that he will be pushed around. so what does he look for? he looks for a wife who's gonna go and water the camels and give him not only give him something to drink but also water his animals which shows uh, an initiative. And that's really what Rebecca is. She has a lot of initiative. Um, And unfortunately, that turns into a sin then later on. But uh, you kind of have to know yourself. I mean, there's a reason why Isaac is without a wife for the first 40 years of his life. Mm -hmm. He wasn't really looking all that hard. I, I mean that's that that's part of the thing, right? Some men are passive and they need a more active wife, mm-hmm. like that. Um, and some men, like Nabel are very foolish, right? right? And and so what I guess you're saying is, uh,
0: you know, there's no ideal, perfect wife except for the
4: one that you have. Yeah, I, and I think that should be part of the the courtship process, right? Mm-hmm um making sure that there is you know that uh, the main thing is is that you believe the same thing right that you trust in the same god mhm um but i i do think that you should look for someone too that has uh, complementary attributes so if you know yourself to be kind of a um a misanthrope you probably want a wife who's hospitable
3: if you know yourself to be a free spirit, you want a wife that... Uh, does spreadsheets. Does spreadsheets. So, spreadsheet. so, so,
2: so I, I think I think I'm I glad know, that I have a wife. I think my, I know how...
0: <laughs> I think I know how the Clerical Heiress podcast could, could, could help out. Okay? Dating service? Well, if you think about it, if there is a, a young man who is an avid listener of the show, and then there's a young single woman or uh, any single woman who is also an avid listener to the show, imagine all the things that they have already in common. <laughs> yes. If they both enjoy the show. If, they are both very unique individuals. It's the truth. And so it really wouldn't take much. Um, Vicar, you can let us know where they can get a hold of us. If uh, if you are a, a young uh, you are a woman or a man looking for uh, your biblical wife or husband... Uh, maybe we can have a few names to match up and you get to know each other. We're... You
3: know, and I think Please, I think you please email keep... me at dating at clericalheirs.org, please.
4: I think, I think you should let the vicar run the program. Lo- lowered expectations at clerical.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: but anyway, Vicar, where can they find us at so they can be matched up with their biblical husband or wife?
1: Oh, well, they can contact us by email feedback at clericalheirs.org. On Facebook at facebook.com slash clerical errors podcast and Twitter at clerical errors p for podcast.
2: But maybe,
4: what, maybe Hannah could be like the matchmaker. Oh, she would love that. Oh my gosh. like <laughs> She would have a spreadsheet. That what? would be <laughs> great. <laughs> that would be perfect. Yeah, what she could do is they could match.
0: Now, the, the, she'll actually hear of Hannah at the next episode. Yeah, right, exactly. You're but but she would have a spreadsheet. Where the, the 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 men could rate the women by a number in white, <laughs> <Goodness>. <laughs> right? Oh,
4: we've, Hannah, we've got this worked yeah, out. Yeah, we the, have the this game mechanics out. of this are pretty are pretty Byzantine, so that's why we leave it in Hannah's very capable hands. Since you have nothing I'm sure else, she's to do. got plenty
1: of time. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: Well, I think that is a good
3: (laughs) place to end. I got a song in my head. (laughs) Matchmaker, matchmaker. Forget it. Forget it.
2: it. Yeah, yeah, from uh, Fiddler on the Roof. Yeah.
0: Well, we don't have to pay royalties for our massive show. Okay, okay. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. Uh, I am Bullhagen.
3: I'm
4: Berg. I'm Bert. And I'm Vicar. May your turkeys be tented.
0: Thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Questions, thoughts, concerns? You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash clericalairs podcast, on Twitter at ClericalAirs P for podcast, or email us at feedback at clericalairs.org. Thanks for listening to Clerical Airs. See you next time.